Broadcasting on location from the Billy Moore Library at the University of Queensland, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. Very good to have you with us for episode three. Who thought we'd make it this far? Uh, when we first embarked upon this project, people said we'd never make it. You know where all those reviewers are now? All dead. Now, uh, th- today, the 1995 State of Origin Series Game 1 is the focus. Uh, we still don't have any football. Even if the madcap scheme being hatched by Project Apollo does get off the ground, we're still six weeks away. And uh, we have to fill the void somehow. And we're doing it with State of Origin 1, 1995. A remarkable game for many reasons. Uh, predominantly because it happened about a month after the madness of April Fool's Day 1995 in the Super League War uh, when players had started defecting the Super League. And so uh, for this State of Origin series, none of the players from Super League were eligible to play. Uh, And of course, that ruled out a handful of players from New South Wales, your your Laurie Daly's and Ricky Stewart's and that kind of thing. Uh, But it also ruled out all of the Brisbane Broncos bar one from the Queensland side, which meant that they were very light on for players going into this game. Uh, and the second reason that this is a remarkable one and one that we chose to cover is that it's, and I stand to be corrected here, the only trialless state of origin game with Queensland winning two points to nil. Thanks very much. It's exactly the kind of oddity uh, that we're looking for on this, the rugby league cemetery. Now, Gaz, um, notwithstanding all those things I mentioned about Queensland having a very weak side, uh, and I might run through the Queensland team in a second, but notwithstanding all of that, it's just a very weird game. Yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, I have watched this before, but I don't have a lot of memory of it because I watched it at the time. So I was, I was in about kindergarten. So I am essentially watching it fresh and that I had no memory really of what happened. And uh, it, it is a really stunning game because you go into it and, and Queensland are nine to one to win the game. And I think there's quite a few stories about some of them getting on that, which you put on them too. But um, <laughs> it, there was this thought, you know, when you look at the New South Wales side on paper, it's a much, much better lineup. And you know, all the talk was about the New South Wales side and how bad the Queensland side was. They couldn't get a coach. They're running in Paul Vorton, who's, who's not coached at, at any level that I'm aware of at that point. And um, they, they run into this game. And when you actually watch the contest, I'm still not sure how they won the game. I've watched it. I've no. just watched it this morning. Yeah. And uh, it's beyond me how they won the game. But when I write my notes down, and, and I mean this as a genuine, um, not as a criticism of the Queenslanders, but it's praise. All the notes, when you think about who looked good and who did things in the game, it's all about the New South Wales players. Like they had these players. They, they did create chances. They created these breaks. They, they nearly scored all these. So every new chance is a New South Wales chance. So all the players that stood out are New yeah. South Wales players. And they just wouldn't lose, Queensland. They just wouldn't lose. It, it's a remarkable feat that they held that t- team to zero in the game, forgetting the lineups, they they had to turn away try after try. They just held their gloves up the whole game, wouldn't give it up. And frankly, it's even more remarkable they managed to do it again because you walk away from that game and New South Wales went big favourites in the game too. And I'm not surprised. I've just watched it. That nothing about that suggested Queensland won, and it really is one of the most remarkable efforts uh, in the history of the sport. Really. Yeah, and that's it. Is it like you you come out of the game? I same experience you watching it this morning. You go through the game. And you get to the end, you go, look, I don't really know how Queensland won that game, but it was Mm. such a kind of collection of bizarre factors and things that went their way and all of this. They'd never do it again. You know, you come out of that thinking, geez, that was great. But this is, and that'd be great for the series, but this is going to be New South Wales 2-1. 
they've got too yeah. much class. They've got too many. I just run you. I, I just looking at the sides. So New South Wales, Brasher, Wishart, Hill, McGregor, Hancock, Johns, Johns, Harrigan, Sedaris, Carroll, Mackay, Menzies, and Fittler. Queensland, O'Davis, Dallas, Coyne, Danny Moore, Singh, Dale Shearer, aged, what, 30-something? 52, uh, I think. Yeah, something like that. Adrian Lamb, Tony Hearn, Bartram, Gavin Allen, Trevor Gilmeister, Captain, Gary Larson, Billy Moore. Um, it, it, you, just don't, you just don't look at those sides and go, oh, that'll be close. No, I think if, you, um, if we you know, look at that time, so let's forget the fact that you know, Shearer and Gilmeister were fantastic players, but they were very, very old at that point. If you look at that year and what players were doing at that time, the players that might have made the New South Wales side might have been Matt Singh, um, uh, Gary Larson, probably, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's just because he had a record of being very good at that level. And are you coming up with, with many, many more than that? Uh, no, would not not, no. not yeah. from one starting side into the other, no. I wouldn't have thought no. so. It's a, no. it's a Every long... player on the Blues bench starts for Queensland, I think. Is that a fair comment? And you look through the bench, they all would have yeah. started for Queensland pretty comfortably. Can I just make a comment about the yeah. Blues bench? And I, again, I'm happy to be yes. corrected here. But yeah. I think this is the only time in recorded history that a representative bench was composed entirely of either current or future North Sydney Bears. Is it? Yes, I didn't pick that up. That, that is well spotted. So I just, I just, run, I just mm. run you through the New South Wales bench. Greg Florimo, mm. David Fairley, Matt Sears and Adam Muir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. great man. Yeah, Serious it, business. Um, that, that's what we call in the business. That. Impact off the bench. Oh, yeah. Did they have a lot of players in the game? Because they also had, like, they had Larson and Moore. Uh, and um, Iken wasn't there yet, but he was at the Gold Coast. But he played for the Bears not long after that. So yeah. there's a, quite a collection of Bears. Brett Dallas was also playing for, um, for on the wings. It's, it's a, what do you suppose? Tony, Tony Hearns a Bears-centric, Yeah, Bears-centric game. They're real sense of that. Um, this, is the, this was the Bears' ascension. This was their moment. Yep. Uh, due to yeah, super leg and enabled all these bears to get into the side. You'll see if you just look on the uh, on the camera here. I got the bears Guernsey on because I got a real fantastic, looks real good. bears feel about this game. Um, it does. By contrast, and this is you know, by contrast, the Brisbane Broncos, uh, who in our kind of upbringing watching football would have nine, ten, eleven players in state of origin. Uh, they, mm. they had one a fellow by the name of Gavin Allen who was uh, in his mid-30s, who retired at the end of the season. And the reason he was able to play for Queensland um, is that he wasn't signed by Super League. He was the only Broncos player who Super League didn't pick up. And so it's him and all of these ARL loyal clubs who were able to contribute players. Uh, it's a bizarre yeah. format. It's remarkable. It's, um, you really forget how strange that that is because... Uh, yeah, look, all the Broncos were out, but the eligibility was so funny because what you have, and Rabs mentioned this on the call, is that there was these allegations two days yeah. before the game that Mark Coyne had signed with the Super League, which if he had, he wouldn't be eligible. It's sort of like someone going down with a, with a hammy at training or, you know, when the flu goes through Queensland camp every year. Like at this point, you're going, oh, so-and-so might have signed with the Super League and he's going to have to pull out. Like it was he's that been, he's, been ruled out, yeah. he's, he's been ruled out late with a grade three Super League contract. Yeah. I'll tell you a really like, interesting tidbit, and I've got to tip up the Rugby League Digest with a fantastic podcast that covered this series in full, and they mentioned this fact. It's very, very good. Um, apparently, Queensland tried to get away with picking no Brisbane Blancos players or no Super League players at all, bar the Walters brothers, but for no other reason other than trying to win the game. Yeah, so they t- and apparently the Walters turned it down, I think, because it, it sort of didn't come across as being particularly 
fair to their other <laughs> sure mates, isn't that a funny fair. system we're going to make a stand on principle but also like just nab we a couple sh- to try make sure we, we sort of want we want kevin walters in yeah, yeah. we'll have the walters yeah, yeah. How must Alan Langer feel after that? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, but th- this is it's it's a bizarre um, it's a bizarre game. The 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 lead up is bizarre. The setup is bizarre. But the actual game itself is so strange. Um, yeah. it's it's funny you talk about Super League and the the context of this match. One of the things that really jumped out at me straight away is is when we uh, when the coverage opens. Rabbits says. Uh, this match has been downplayed in the media, but somebody forgot to tell the team, uh, forgot to tell the fans. There's forty thousand here at the mm. Sydney Football Stadium. Um, there's a sense that they needed this to be that the kind of Super League people and people who were supporting the Super League concept and who had defected and all of this um, kind of were looking down their nose at this series, saying this is going to be a joke. The Queensland mm. side's hopeless. New South Wales is going to bury them. This is going to be a real farce. And, and the ARL really needed, and Channel 9 really needed this to be a good game, really needed it to be a proper contest and a, and a kind of state of origin series that people would recognise. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, it, 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 you know, a lot of Queenslanders might not like this, but they, they weren't particularly uh, behind that side before the, the series. They copped a lot of criticism. They got bagged a lot in Queensland. They came home as heroes when they won the series, but yeah. they, they were quite bagged beforehand. And um, Wayne Bennett wouldn't coach them because um, he said the series wouldn't be fair income without those, those sorts of players. And, you know, maybe he was just standing with the fact he was a Broncos coach. He might have been quite compromised to have gone and coached them when they wouldn't. But the whole image of all that gives this sort of, it's not serious. It's not fair income sort of feel to it. And the ARL, um, not only to do so dive deep into the Super League war, but they, they had a couple of very big pieces of luck. And one was the 97 grand final being one of the best games that was ever played in a split year when they were trying to position themselves as a legitimate sort of competition. Yeah. And this is another one that they're trying to show state of origin and the history of the game. And all this is so important. And we take out, all of the best players from Queensland. And let's not forget some of... Like, if you want to look at New South Wales' best players in the mid-90s, Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly are at the top of the list. Glenn yep. Lazarus is at the top of the list. There's a couple of Brett quite Mullins. key... Brett Mullins would have played. Yeah. So so you take all of these best players out of the contest and still end up getting this really memorable series was through no design of the ARLs at yeah. all. Quite a magnificent piece of luck um, or a stroke of fortune. Yeah. Can I say that... Um... In the the opening the the kind of the first few minutes of the broadcast don't give a sense that's going to be a really um, don't give a sense it's going to be a really serious and intense contest because Christina Arnu uh, who sings the <laughs> sings the national anthem uh, she got the words wrong did you notice this yeah I did I did yeah. it was good to see Christine on there it um, was my precursor to my my island home yeah. Yeah. Olympics, yeah that's right uh, in the in the leather jacket she said with joyful wealth and wealth for toil. Yeah, Our home is good. girt by sea. It just, happens to all of us. I just think at that stage, when you're trying to position yourself as the kind of the legitimate competition, the uh, the serious professional face of rugby league, um, I don't think at that stage you would have really thought, no, we're on here. This is going to be a great night for the ARL. Um, no, I think that's fair. Was Julie Anthony not available, by the way? <laughs> I think the trouble with Julie Anthony is that she's only willing to sing the national anthem if she can do all four verses, and not everybody's <laughs> not everybody's got the time. You know, yeah, there's a would, market for for us doing that all four verses of the anthem. I would have thought, but as a, as a podcast, oh Jesus, it's just week by week. 
The trouble is, I mean, the match would have kicked off at about nine o'clock because she would have extended every vowel and done all four verses. Um, so it would have been kid, like now, basically, coverage yeah, basically, starting at nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just with just with uh, Julie Anthony rabbiting on instead of uh, Gus Gould. Uh, yeah, and then the players kick off, and I don't know. In that first few minutes, New South Wales are all over them. Game goes exactly to script. Yeah. Basically, um, they run through them. They run through them repeatedly. They waltz down the field, and um, they should have, based on the final score, they uh, should have won the game in the, the second minute because yeah. um, Joey Johns, on who's on debut, uh, the Johns brothers were in the place of Daly and Stewart, so um, that was quite a big moment in time as well. And Joey puts this cracking crossfield kick to the unmarked Wishard, who shows uh, as much as I like what Richard said, absolutely no athleticism or poise <laughs> whatsoever. Because, you know, you look at the modern wingers and the way they contort their bodies to stay in field. And he gets this unmarked kick on his chest and manages to somehow tangle all of his limbs up so that he can step sideways into touch, sort of pull it's touch. touch. Well, it's terrible. I it's did. quite a bad piece of football. <laughs> it's yeah. appalling. He's, he's yeah. also completely unmarked. There's nobody who near him. No. What are you no, doing? I don't know how. He, yeah, I, it, it, I looked and I was like, hey, "It's one of those moments. It's like we talked about McNeil in '89. Every time you watch it, you think, oh, he's going to score.' He, I know that the score was two nil in this game, but when Johns puts that kick over, I think, oh, well, four two, four nil. Like it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that and that should have been it. Uh, that that would have been totally it. Uh, not long after that, they they miss a they, they keep waltzing downfield. They miss a penalty goal. Wishard misses it. You know, if we're going to Paul Carriage someone here, yes. I'm, we're Paul, we're, I'm Paul Carriaging Wishard for we're going to scape. We're going to We're going to start yeah. scapegoating. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. And he misses this penalty goal that um, he should have kicked. He was kicking at eighty one percent in the Winfield Cup, according to to Raps. And he's duffed quite badly. Duffed this penalty goal, and you know. That really should have been at least six nil, if not eight nil, if he you know if he kicks the goal from the corner of the first one, six or eight nil, and there's your game. And to me, look, the first twenty minutes was like that. Queensland um, put their gloves up and they worked really hard and tried a lot. But New South Wales just kept rolling down the field and they kept making chances, they kept making breaks, uh, and. It was no indication. Firstly, it, I would have laughed at you if you told me that was a trialless game, if I didn't know the result. I mean, yeah. yeah, they're, they're going to win about 30 points. It, yeah, it might be trialless for Queensland. They're going to win 30 nil. Um, but no one scoring is just, it's just comical. And it, it, I just can't believe it. I really can't. I, they, they rolled down the field. I thought Johns was pretty good. I thought Fittler was just quite clearly the best footballer of any team on the field class-wise. He looked wonderful. Yeah. And, Jim Sedaris was going to have dummy half the props, so Spud and Chief were, were absolutely rolling them. And it, you just don't, it, it's a real credit to Queensland because they just wouldn't be scored on. And, you know, we'll, we'll break it down a little bit later on, but there was this real sense that the longer that half went, and it happened in the second half too, New South Wales came out hard, the longer it went, the more they hadn't scored, the just more that emboldened Queensland, and the more New South Wales were thinking, shit, this isn't really what's supposed to be happening here. No. You just I, kept thinking it would happen, and it didn't. And then you're going, oh, like, when's it going to happen? And you start to seize up a bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it, right? And in that first 15 minutes, there are just a few funny little near misses and things. There's the mm. John, there's Wishart inexplicably running into touch. There's a couple of things off kicks. Uh, there's one There's one where a grubber goes in behind the line and O'Davis makes a bit of a meal of it and gets away with it and manages to hurry it dead. Um, that, incidentally, there's a glorious... Um, off the ball shot on Jim Sedaris by Tony Hearn, 
which yeah. led which led to the Rod Wishart penalty <laughs> goal attempt. It's just absolute. It's just one of the most blatant, boneheaded, fantastic pieces of play because Sedaris is trying to chase the ball and Hearn just gets out of the way and just clobbers him. It's fantastic. But then uh, there's another one uh, with I think Matt Singh where they he fumbles a kick which nearly ends in a try and then he picks it up and manages to get out of the in goal and there's all of this going on and New South Wales are missing kicks at goal. they've missed a kick at goal they duff a couple of tries like they, they just get enough luck to get through that early bit of pressure yeah it's that it's that combination of they had some luck and their intensity of their scramble and wanting to do it helped make that happen it's like um, you know, I agree. So parts of it, you go, that's so close. It's luck, but geez, they were just so hungry to get it too, to get that. Like they were always putting themselves in the picture and, you know, like, Oh, Davis fumbles it and he's scrambling to get it, to get it anyway. Yeah. Like Singh makes it, he's herring after stuff when he's not quite in position. They're just doing all those little things after the errors and New South Wales make those half breaks and everyone is belting back to get back on side and diving cover tackles. They just kept um, getting there and eventually you know, it started to turn a bit maybe about the 25th minute. I've got a real thought yeah. to, to look at things tactically here is that I think the Chief and Spud were very, very good. Like Spud had a cracker. Was really Spud dominant. was fantastic. But yeah, he was, yeah. But what happened is that we've been through the bench and the Blues tired badly about 25 minutes and that bench is atrocious. It's bizarre. Carroll and Harrigan and... They had Fairley, who could play in the middle off there, and the rest of them, Adam Muir's an edge-back rower, Matt Sears is a full-back, and um, Florimo's sort of your yeah, lock-forward or a ball-playing 5-8 lock-forward, whichever you, you like to have. And all of a sudden, when they started to tire, and Chief ends up giving away one of the penalties that, that, that leads to the, the only points, and, and Spud sort of falls off a bit as well. And it just occurred to me that Queensland rotated their forwards a bit. They've got a funny yeah. thing on interchange in the moment, but they rotated their forwards a bit and kept throwing guys that had a bit of a breather at, at New South Wales. And New South Wales really dominated that middle, and they should have got 20 minutes out of those two, giving them a spell because they had two, you know, two boppers on the bench. Get them on have 10 off and come back at them. And they didn't do that. And they really lost their way in the back half of that first half. And if they kept the foot on the throat there and managed to get some points, I think if they had a scored, it might've, once you score one with the, the class they had in the side, I just think it might've changed the game. I think Gould missed a trick with his makeup yeah. on the side. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is kind of, it's in that halfway point between, you know, the late eighties where, Play like front rowers played 60 minutes and then went off for good. And the kind of late 90s where forwards are coming on and off all the time and you've got four front yep. rowers rotating. And, and there's just a sense that they never, he just didn't quite get that right. Like he kind of has one prop who comes on for a bit. He's got the edge back row, but then it's, it's it is, it's very, um, Mark Carroll ends up playing a really um, mm. big pile of minutes in the game. Chief ends up being off for quite a lot of the, the kind of middle pub portion of the game. You're right. He doesn't quite get it right. You, you mentioned um, you had a funny thing about interchange. This wouldn't have anything to do with Mark Hone by any chance, would it? Yeah, I'll let you run us through that. Yeah. No, no. I, I just <laughs> no. Please do. <laughs> I did make a note of it. Um, it's very good. It's, it's one of those. Uh, the one thing that people that, that's going to get people back to rugby league is like technicalities. Yes. It's a very yes. nice. It's a very nice touch. Mark Hone. So Tony Hearn uh, goes off blood uh, with blood bin. Mark Hone comes on to replace him. Tony Hearn then is ready to come back on, been patched up. He comes back on. 
Marcone comes off the field, and then this is all in sequence. There's no nothing happens in between these two things. So Marcone comes off, and then Gavin Allen comes off, and Marcone goes back on. So, At the exact same moment. So he literally steps over the sideline, stands yep. there for one second, and the other prop walks off the field and he walks back on. Like, that's the yep. sort of really technical, lovely stuff that we want to see brought back into the game, I think. Yeah, I think it is good. It kind of, I think, I think that's right. I think if you're going to get crowds in, you want more bureaucracy associated with rugby league. Yeah. Another thing which jumped out at me, uh, this is after, I just want to bring you something that Sterlow said after 17 minutes. I don't know if you mm. caught, caught this. So about 16.40 on the clock, Sterlo says, well, we're nearly 25 minutes into this game and that's when the gaps will start to open up. Yeah, I caught that. I did. I caught that. I wondered if he was thinking the clock was counting down and not up. I think he might have. Because yeah. I looked at it and thought I'd done that. I thought I'd got it backwards and that it was yeah. counting down with 16 left and it wasn't. No. Uh, he did two of those things. He, he got that. That was blunder. And he made this other wonderful call at one point that said he got really Sanzu on us, which really got me going. He made the comment that the best, the best time to attack is when your opponent is not expecting it. <laughs> the Peter Sterling Sanzu Book of War it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It was really funny. It just was so funny. When are they not expecting you to attack? What's the part of the game where they think, think oh, he... yeah, they're not going to try and do anything here? Well, I think he said, I do remember him, <laughs> I do remember him saying that. I think he said uh, they're not expecting you to attack when you when they've just got the ball, like when, when you've just turned mm. it over, go straight at them. He also mentioned, and I, it, it 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 really did make my heart sore because you never hear anyone say it anymore. The same time as he said the twenty five minute thing, he said we've had a very we've had a traditional softening up period. Yeah, yeah. You just don't yeah, hear that. that Whatever happened don't. to that? You never hear people say traditional it. softening up period anymore. They still they, happen. I remember. Yeah, yeah, they do. You know what happened? They, I've heard Phil Gould claim this. It's just a really stupid thing to say, and I just really love it. He's got this great theory that the Knights 2001 Grand Final killed the softening up period. He constantly comes out and says, because Joey got the ball and started setting up all these tries immediately, that it killed the softening up, and it like went from the game, which is just like a really wonderful, like really alleging someone scoring tries too early in the game. It's really wrecked softening up periods in big matches. Well, it's very, me, very good. It is good. Let me tell you something. And I've mentioned this on this on this this program a few times. If you're trying to get your hands on some of that Tom Brock bequest money, this is another possible rugby league PhD. When did the traditional softening up period go out of rugby league, and when did commentators stop saying it? To any yeah. aspiring researchers out there, and I know we've got a lot of listeners tuning in, um, mm. fill your boots, get us some. Well, I'm aware my decision. grandmother did listen last week, so we have a there you go listener. exactly. Um, one more Sterlum is Sterloism for you, just after half time. I like it better yeah. when they say it just before, but this is a cracker. My favourite, sort of one of the top 10 things you can say in a game. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you don't want half time. <laughs> like, I love the concept of like, oh, they don't want half time. It's one of the best like quotes in the rugby league game. Anyone, come anyone out gets lot. on a bit of a roll. Yeah, it, it's so good. It, it, uh, they still do roll it out and long may it continue. It's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah that one's still there. I... <laughs> Absolutely right. They don't, they don't want half-time, traditional softening up period. Uh, there was also talk about a fat 10. Did you hear that? There was oh, a suggestion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, New South Wales, uh, Queensland would be concerned that Eddie Ward runs a fat 10. 
yeah, I love yeah. that. I love the concept of differing 10 metres. It's just, yeah. it's one of the best things you can get in our sport. Um, it was interesting about that, you know, is that you forget that the 10 metre rule only came in in the early 90s. So Rabs made a call, like it's just so funny to think of now. Rabs is in the game going, the lowest scoring game we've had is 8-0. And he goes, oh, this 2-0, after 60 minutes, he's tossed out, oh, this 2-0, it's fantastic. You never see this uh, since the 10 metre rule came in. It's, it's just um, worth remembering that, Though we remember a lot of the players playing there, like your Johns and Fittlers don't seem that long gone to us. So they're playing not long after the 10-metre rule came in. Yeah. Um, it, it's only that, that quite recent. And a lot of the players who would have played in this game, for example, particularly the forwards, like Trevor Gilmeister and these kind of guys, they, they would have spent probably most of their careers playing under the 5-metre rule with a totally different, like, totally different yeah. fitness requirements, totally different type of style of game, all that stuff. Yeah, I think if you're a Trevor Gilmeister and he's pendant for tackling and hitting hard, you might want guys like Spud Carroll coming off five metres and not sort of 15 off the back fence it's with a 10 metre rule. Some of those big, big blokes you probably... I reckon. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, What's it's good, didn't, good. Didn't, uh, didn't the axe uh, cut a good shape as, as captain of the Queensland side? Something about it did, it did look right, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. There's a couple like that. Um, the other one was Rowdy Shearer. Yeah. Um, wearing what uh, a friend of the show has described as like the, uh, those blue tights that all amateur sports men wore in the nineties. Like if you're a local sports. Uh, the tor- tor- <laughs> torpedoes. Playing. Is that the one? Yeah, the like torpedoes. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a middle-aged man playing in a local soccer team, those t- blue tights under the shorts were just the thing to do at that, that time. <laughs> David Barnhill used to wear them a lot. I've got a real memory of David Barnhill doing it yeah. too. And Rowdy's getting on. I enjoyed watching Rowdy. You could, uh, he's a bit before our time and he's always, put forward as mercurial and though you certainly was uh, quite aging there's a couple of just weird little touches he showed like yeah. he was, must have been quite a clever you certainly saw the remnants that he was probably quite a good player just some of the touches and turning it inside he looked pretty gifted albeit um you know towards the end yeah <laughs> I, I had the same thought about him that there were a couple of things that happened you went oh yeah i can see why mm. you were good yeah he yeah, also defended yeah, right. very well he, he made some really good tackles uh, at important moments in the game especially in the first half um he was, incidentally, we talk about great clubs being represented in this game, uh, as well as all those bears that we mentioned. Uh, and I think there were six current and maybe about four future bears in the game. There were also, let me have a look here, Dale Shearer, Trevor Gilmeister, Terry Cook, Mark Hone and Craig Teven. What do they crushes. all have in common? Yeah. Mm. Five yeah. crushes. I don't think that would have been... It is. It's a, very, it's a very particular time in the history of the game where the crushes could have five state of origin reps. Because one, it needed to be a year where the crusher existed. There are not many of those. And, uh, you know, a year when the Queensland side was in a bit of a parlous state. But you've got to remember, Queensland have never lost a match with with five or more crushers in the team. Well, it's a model for the future, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah, that's a remarkable statistic. Because they weren't, they weren't winning any games sort of at club football. So sort of filling no. a team with them at representative <laughs> level to play against um, Andrew Johnson, Brad Fitlow has got some question marks on it. Just that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Remarkable. It is. Um, I, I suppose we should uh, talk for at least a second on the only points that are scored in the game. The 31st mm. minute, uh, a penalty to Queensland for an obstruction. Um, a kick downfield, which Gary Larson, I think it's Adrian Lambert, kicks the ball. But uh, oh, sorry, no, it's New South Wales in possession. It's Andrew Johns who launches a terrible shank downfield. Um, but yeah. in the chase, Gary Larson is clobbered out of the way by Paul Harrigan. 
and Wayne Bartram from about 30 metres out in front puts it over and 2-0 Queensland. Can I say, and, and Bartram had already missed a kick earlier in the game. Um, Wayne Bartram, one of the last dual hooker locks, that, that's really gone out of the game. Yeah, there, there, there is a couple of later ones. Dean Young comes Dean Young, to mind. Yeah. Um, but he was extremely rare by the time we got there. I mean, if we're going to... I'll be talking for three hours if we start talking about the time that Wayne Bennett unleashed Neville Costick in there for the Knights. But, uh, <laughs> and so and uh, <laughs> not to mention yeah. Corey Parker. Oh, Christ. Let's not get too into that. But it's... Um, yeah, we're going to change the level of this podcast at a moment. But, yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's fair to say that that was very much the end of that being a common thing. Uh, Dean Young is one of the few that come to mind that were much later. There really weren't Monty, a lot. Darren Centre? Darren Centre? Yes. Played yeah. a bit of hooker and lock, yeah. Monty Beatham. Monty, was a, yeah, 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 Monty, Monty Beatham. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's only taken us three episodes to get a mention of, of Monty Beatham in. That makes me feel good about well, what we're going to talk about when going. he broke his arm. On someone's head. Is there head? a chance of us talking about... Well, yeah, broke his arm on Petro's head. <laughs> Gave him one of those big stiff arms that broke his... Um, yeah, like he had, had the stiff arm out, broke his arm. Petro got up and played the ball. It's one of the best things that, you've ever seen. I mean, that can happen. You got suspended. You know? Like, you got yeah, suspended pathetic. for breaking his arm. <laughs> Victimisation. <laughs> yeah. um, there's, there's a moment where Andrew Voss, a very young Andrew Voss, as sideline, mm. I mentions how nervous the, the Queensland bench is. Um, mm. And he talks about, you know, one of them had been warming up for 15 minutes and all this kind of thing, running up and down on the touchline. Mm. Can I say when you look at that bench, Ben Iken, aged about nine, uh, mm. Child Soldier, uh, Terry Cook, Mark Hone and Craig Teven. I, I mean, I'm sort of, I, I was born in 91, but, you know, have a fairly abnormal interest and knowledge of rugby league. I've never heard of two of them. Mm. Um, yeah. You could possibly understand why they might have been nervous. These are probably blokes who at no point in their careers had thought they might end up playing State of Origin. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ben Eichen have played about four games yeah. um, of footy. And they weren't jumping out of his skin. I think uh, Artie Beetson or someone told Fatty he might be good one day. So Fatty put him in. <laughs> yeah. <sure>. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about... I don't think Craig Teven had ever thought he was going to play. And look, it, it's funny. Obviously, we're both um, from New South Wales and, and all of the rest of it. But there's a, there's, a sense, there's a real sense of like really glad some of those guys that got this game. You know, yeah. like they got these guys that never would have played. Like, you know, like if this didn't happen, um, Alan Langer would just have three more state of origins. Like he's done, yeah. like he's already got such a legacy and your Walters and all these guys that just have three more games. Same with your front rowers and all, all these greats of the game would just have three more. They wouldn't really change their legacy one way or the other. And these blokes from Queensland, a lot of whom didn't play again. And then a few of them sort of hung on and got a few games here and there. Not, you know, a lot of them, but they, they, they've got this moment in the sun of this history where they yeah. did this great thing. Like they got this great yeah. result. It, it's, it's really cool. It is. There's it's something really cool. kind of, that's it, right? Like it's, there's something kind of democratic about it. This kind of idea that these guys who would never have been in this sort of game, not only mm. got a game, but they really like did this, had this wonderful victory and, and played yeah. as absolutely as well as they could. And yeah, it yeah. is. It, it, it's fantastic. And I, I'm really glad that I watched the game because I did it. I, I it, it um it, it really lit me up. Um, it was so brave. It was so brave. It, oh, they're it, unbelievable. I know I've said it before, but they just there was large parts um of the first half where they were getting rolled, and it's like half time. I think Gould really settled New South Wales back down. They came back out and they got back to that 
footy and they ran through them for another 20 minutes. There's a, a patch in the 46th to the 50th where I just cannot believe they didn't yes. score again at all. I just, uh, Terry, there's like a, a Fittler kick that nearly scores and there's a spread to Terry Hill that's not forward, but he probably went out. Like He, he puts a toe on the touchline and got a forward pass called that was marginal. You know, the Fittler kick, the ball's loose in the in goal and they're all scrambling for it in Queensland. Yeah. managed to knock it back in the field of play. Like, there's all these, these these inches and all of that is 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 effort. It's it's so easy to not be that when there's four guys going for a kick to just clock off for a second. They spread it wide with a three-man overlap and they just don't give up and they pressure them into a mistake. And there's all these moments in the game where I just I can't fathom enough that if I write a note on who played well, they're all from New South Wales who stood out in the game. Larson was worked his ass off for Queensland. But if you look at guys that really did stuff. I've got Fittler was phenomenal. I've got, you know, Sadaris had a really good game. Um, I, I thought, I might be biased, but I thought Joey showed some really good signs at different parts of the game. Uh, Terry Hill was fantastic. He was but, rampaging, wasn't he? Oh, he was rampaging. He was so big and strong and fast. But, but what you say is absolutely result, right. That, yeah. That's it. And, and, and that's where I was, I was going to come to that, is that you go into half time and you think, yeah, it's 2-0. Queensland have got their gloves up here. This is, mm. this is what we were hoping. This is about as good as we were yeah. hoping it was going to be. Um, two nil up, but but you sort of think over time. New South Wales haven't scored yet. Some weird things have happened, but you think over time, the the, the class is going to show. Yeah, and they'll they'll get over the top of them late in the game. They'll score one, and that'll set them off. And then they come out after half time. Spud Carroll makes a line break off the kickoff. Yep. Um, and then you, what you say is absolutely. There's this ten minute patch where they're just all over them. There's they're, yeah. they're over the line and it's called back. The ball's loose in the end goal. That all of these things happen, but they just, it just, just never, just they just don't score. Yeah. There's no, there's no earthly explanation for it. No, there's not. It's funny you mentioned. You know, it's a, it's a matter of time. You know, the, the the class will show. The class did show. They just didn't score a try. Yeah. Like, looked at the game. They did. They did. They made more line breaks. They. I had this. Queensland made some. I, I don't want to sell them short at all, and I, I'm not. I'm really admiring them. But in terms of ability, they they did make some nice breaks and plays, but it had this real sense of coming out of nowhere. Like the game would be on, and someone unexpected. It wasn't like, oh, here's this one guy, like a lamb that's just doing everything it was like one random forward would just run really hard pop an offload and someone would go through the next time someone else would take a dart and they all made one or two things happen whereas with the blues it was like every time fitler got it he bang bang he looks good and then spuds running over everyone where their class players were creating yeah. opportunity after opportunity and queensland just stopped them and then just did enough back from random parts as random guys would just make an effort play out of nowhere, a guy that you don't really expect to do it. And then that gets them down the field and gets them out of trouble this time. And the next time it's someone else and then yeah. someone else. So it was a real effort um, across the board. And, and that's it, isn't it? They should show bit. that football to, to a lot of teams playing today. Yeah. You show the Titans that football because they roll over all the time. There's teams that should watch that and go, if you're committed to doing this and you want to do this, you, you can put your gloves up and be respected with how you play. Yeah, against, against players who over the course of their careers have been much better than you. You know, like it doesn't, yes, it's yes. just because you're, you're the second best team in the game doesn't mean you, you get beat. Um, no. and, and that's right. But there is the, the best Queensland attacks come from halfway or 30 out or they're, they're not. I mm. thought, I thought their attack when they did get up the New South Wales end of the field, they never really put a lot of pressure on apart from that, a little run at them just before half time. but there's not, there's no structured attack. There's no, they don't build much pressure. They don't really, 
there's never any sense, oh, yeah, they're going to score here, Queensland, that this, this guy's a real threat or this guy's a real threat. Um, but they just kind of did enough here and did enough there and patched together a win out of, out of not a lot of kind of ingredients. Um, yeah. Look, they've, they've, when you take the best Queensland side out of a Queensland origin side, yeah, you're not going to get structured attack in the 20 metres zone, are you? And um, no. again, it's a real credit to, to Fatty Vorton because, I mean, we don't think of him as an intellectual <laughs> heavyweight. Perhaps. Tactical genius. And, and, yeah, yeah. And look, he won't go down in history as one of the great coaches of all time, but he deserves a lot of credit because what you find a lot at club level today and, you know, rep level to an extent too, but definitely club football, is that everyone wants to coach like they've got the storm. You want to coach like you've got Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, and, you know, whoever they have at 5'8", Finch, Munster, Witter, whoever. They want to coach like they've got all of these perfect parts and they want to play this football as though you, you've got all those players, even when you don't. And when you don't, it doesn't work. If you want to play this type of football that works for these guys who are elite players at what they do, you're not going to do it as well as them. And what he does is he doesn't try to do that. They don't try to run this sort of football like the got Alan Langer. Yeah. Kevin Walters, they come up with what they can do and they play a simple footy. He tells his forwards to pass the ball and they do, they can do that. They, they back each other up. There's, there's this is play right in the backfield where Robbie O'Davis takes the hit up and then plays the ball and the dummy half throws to Matt Singh and Matt Singh makes 15 metres and offloads to Robbie O'Davis. Yeah. That's, that's just effort. Robbie O plays the ball, gets up and bang, he's there again. And they do what they're capable of doing. And, and that's a big credit to the coach because so many coaches want to show how good they are by getting a team and manufacturing all this stuff that better players than them do, yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't you, work. You can kind of imagine, like, I don't think Fatty's team talk would have been particularly technical. I don't think he had a whiteboard. I think he just, no. he got them together. He seems to have, they were all motivated. They all wanted to be there. Mm. They all... Um, they they were all ready to put in, and they just they, they just did enough. They they yeah. got to every ruck. They did. the Brent Dallas what you talk about. Um, so Terry Hill score or goes over in I think about the forty sixth minute. They had a huge overlap. Um, Jim Sedaris with a five on two overlap throws a cutout pass out to Terry Hill, mm. who was so they, they they had so many numbers that like Terry Hill was the centre and was still the furthest man out. Um, gets past one eventually gets over the line, but has stepped into touch. Brett Dallas was so was about 10 metres in field. And he's sure he's one of the quickest players on the, probably ever, but he gets there, you know, they're five on two. And yet somehow the Queensland winger is making a tackle in the corner, having been a mile in field, completely outnumbered. Yeah. Not only does he make the tackle, he's a skinny little red-headed winger in the era that wingers were not like they are now. He's a skinny little bloke. And Terry Hill is a beast. Yeah. Like, Terry Hill's a big centre now. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he's, um, he's rampaging and he puts his body hard on the line to do that. And there's a lot of examples of that that are less um, evident than that one. They're not as, as, as glaring, but Matt Singh does plenty. Matt oh, Singh yeah. holds up Terry Hill in one, one part of the game. Um, good luck doing that. And, um, and Robbie O'Davis saves a couple as well, further away from the line where he scrambles and gets guys low. But, but with those sorts of plays, you know, that, that, that's exactly right. Is A lot of those guys might not have done that in their club side, but Fatty's got them together. I, I, doubt, I don't know how many times Brett Dallas stops Terry Hill in club football in that position. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those 
things that, that Fatty's brought him together and got him to play for each other. And, and it goes a very long way. And like we said, you didn't see Adrian Lamb trying to play like Joey or Ricky Stewart or, or you know, Shearer didn't try to play like Brad Fittler. And they, they worked with what they had. And it's a really, much as, you know, I know that I'm a New South Wales fan. It's a cool result. It's cool. Like, he, yeah. Fatty getting one over Phil Gould, who's New South Wales' greatest ever coach, and this sort of, whatever you think of him, quite an eminent thinker in the in the game and, and stuff. And it, it a bit of effort and, and elbow grease. Um, I'll tell you one funny thing you yeah. wouldn't predict. Hit they me. had 80 origins in that game, and New South Wales had 65. They had actually yeah, I saw that. Origins. Yeah, but I think but about, a lot of it was in a couple of players. Yeah, I think about in, I think about seventy of those origins were in Dale Shearer. Um, <laughs> yeah, in, in every position across the team. He, that was and, his twenty um, sixth state of origin game. Twenty six. He, he played every position in the backs except halfback yeah. for Queensland. Uh, you wouldn't see many people able to do that now. Uh, Gil, between Gilmeister and uh, him, and probably I don't know how many Larson had played by that point because he played on after that. But he would have had a couple. I, I, a lot of them came from the same group. And yeah. but it's an interesting stat because it does show that they had some experienced guys there to keep them calm. And New South Wales, whilst better, did have a lot of players in key position that hadn't played much football. Where you know, they were under a bit of a heat too. Apparently the sort of feeling at the time was this sense of like asking the Johns boys what it was like to replace Daly and Stewart, for example. So yeah. you're coming in for Daly and Stewart who were, who were real heroes to them. And all of a sudden you're losing to this nothing side uh, and just not scoring. Maybe that starts to get on your mind a bit when you, you're in the key positions and you're going, oh shit, this is my time. And I'm in for Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart and I can't beat these blokes. What's this going to look like? Might, might start to get in your head. That might've started to, play the demons whereas those more experienced guys might have said yeah, I've been down 2-0 sort of plenty of times and I can I can get out of this it's you know yeah what I mean? oh absolutely and and I mean you look at that team on paper now and you think oh well Andrew Johns is very um mm. you know I mean you know Andrew Johns one of the best players of all time but at that stage it was only a year after he after mm. he's starting to boo like he it's yeah. he, it's not any different to Jared Mullen getting picked the year after he debuted or Mitchell Pearce or, you know, one of those guys that they do now where they just throw someone in due to lack of options. But it, he wasn't it, Andrew it, Johns yet. He wasn't no, Andrew that's Johns. It. Like that he, was a, yeah. he was a new young halfback who wasn't experienced. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, 10 but, years from his, the game that everyone wants to talk about. We'll cover right. it one day. Is the, the game everyone wants to talk about is Andrew Johns' sort of masterpiece and one of the great origins is 10 years away. Yeah. I know it was late in his career, but his best moment in state of origin football is a decade away. That's how early this actually is. And yeah, you're replacing Ricky Stewart and all of a sudden you're not beating this team that you should beat nine times out of 10. Maybe that just gets in your head. Like and there's you know, a bit this of, there's was my, a... my turn and I'm, I'm buggering it up. And there's a funny bit of alchemy to this, right? Like if you, if you can hang in there and hang in there long enough, and we mentioned this before, mm. after a little while, the fact that they haven't scored makes them less likely to score. You know, the, yeah. they start and, and, and we're, we're talking about kind of the flow of the game. New South Wales in the first 10 minutes of the second half looked like, oh, this is it. They'll run away with it now. They don't mm. score. And after mm. that, as the game goes on, Queensland start to come back into it. Um, they do a lot wrong though, Queensland, in that last twenty minutes. They, oh yeah, yeah as much as like, good. as much as you say, oh, they did this right and they did that right. They mm. also did a lot wrong. They turned the ball over heaps coming off mm. their line. They yeah. they blew. They bombed an absolute lay down as air chance when Ben Iken breaks it way down the wing. Um, 
That's a sentence, isn't it? It is. Ben Eichen breaks away down the wing. Like that's the standard of the game we're talking about. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Ben Eichen was quite a serviceable footballer, but you didn't even at his sort of zenith say a lot of Ben Eichen breaks down the wing, tearing (laughs) off down the wing in state of origin. (laughs) Twenty minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They do a lot wrong, and so in that last one, they they do have a bit of a wobble, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. They give them. You know what it's very reminiscent of? Uh, In the 89 grand final, the amount of times the Tigers kept coughing over the ball and just stopping Canberra scoring, the only difference was that the flood walls never broke in this one. There's a real... I commented on how much the Tigers kept just giving Canberra back in the game, but then just repelling them and then giving them the ball again. And there was a sense of that. They just kept giving them opportunities and then just making that that 50-50 play to stop it, but doing it every time. It's really remarkable. Yeah. That that break... They they gave it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that break, the one that I'm referring to where Eichen, Eichen's off down Eichen. the wing and they throw the ball in field and it ends up somehow with Billy Moore, that happens in the 69th minute. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden, New South Wales have a bit of a run. You've got that Andrew Johns, and we, we mentioned a minute ago that he was quite new. Mm. He makes a couple of half breaks and, and line yep. breaks in the last 20 minutes, any one of which could have done something, you know? Mm. Yep. Um, and then they start having these. They, they start having chances again in the last ten. Yep. You know, like there's one, um, and I, I, you're talking about possible villains, and you mentioned Rod Wishart. How is it? And I'm not a scientist, but I don't know if it's a gravitational issue. How is mm. it that every time New South Wales got the ball on any sort of break or in any sort of promising position, it ended up with Paul McGregor? Yeah, I wasn't going to go too hard on him because, like, I'm on record so many times on my thoughts of him as a coach, and it might come yeah. off a, <laughs> bias. Off a bit as bias. Uh, he did not have a good game. No. Um, I caught the end of his career uh, yeah. when I was young, and that wasn't promising. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he must have played his best football before I was old enough to see it, and it wasn't in this game. No. Um, because he didn't look good at all. He made a lot of errors. Uh, he's slow and big. And he yeah. got pretty well handled by Danny Moore and Mark Coyne. They seemed to rotate the sides of the field a bit, which was weird. But they, they both handled him. Um, he clunked up a lot of stuff. You know, it's funny. When you pick a team, you've got to look at who, who you've got. And when you've got the Johns brothers as your halves who want to fizz the ball 30 metres long, maybe Paul McGregor's not your centre. Terry Hill is. Terry Hill is. Terry Hill was brutal. He was good, wasn't he? Fast, yeah. But, yeah, having this lumbering sort of bloke who sort of really sort of your back quintessential back rower filling in at center though the way he looked in that game you know i don't know if he was injured or something but it wasn't quite working um wishard was another one we mentioned wishard he, he i really liked rocket rod and i still do despite uh canning him for the result and yeah. he's one of those real i don't want to make meth comparisons to knights players every round but there's a real sense of the justin riders about him like he trip <laughs> over his own feet every time he runs it there's no he's so good but there's no coordination he had this he's no. out, he just looks like he's going to fall over you every know what really he's got the ball he's going to yeah. trip his own feet it really he, jumped out to me that there was a real lack of pace in the new south wales back line there was no speed yeah. out there like um no. craig hancock another player who i have no i, I have no memory of but um, they interestingly dropped him for John Hopawade for game two. I was going to mention that a, to fix the speed issue. Big move, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like Marking the, Matt Singh, isn't that good? But that's it, right? So, so Queensland, and it, and it probably doesn't show so much in this game as, as it might have in, in games two and three, 
But Queensland run, Brent Dallas, Mark Coyne, Danny Moore, Matt Sink, there's, there's pace out there, you know. Mark yeah, Coyne really is. good, makes a couple of really nice runs. He's good on his feet. Mm. Brent Dallas is blindingly quick. And they're kind of up against um, some real slabs of cement in the centres, Terry Hill and, and Paul McGregor. Mm. Um, Rod Wishart's not particularly quick. It just, there's a couple of times where the Johns brothers spread the ball early mm. and it just, there's, there's nobody to step past someone to get the ball early with a bit of room and make something of it. Yeah. Brasher's not fast either. Brasher, no. um, Brasher was pretty good in the early 90s and he was falling off quite a bit at this point. And there's a, a story at one point that, yeah, he sort of was not putting in all that much. Like he was falling out with Pierce at the Tigers, that Wayne Pierce are coaching him at, for not really putting in these efforts in the mid-90s and stuff. But again, Mullins isn't available and some of these guys aren't. Ken Nagus had really come through the year before, probably would have played. Like some of these guys that, you know, um, Queensland would have had all their guys too. So it's not an excuse for losing. But, you know, these there's a few players that I think would have fastened that team up if you had Mullins and Nagus. And uh, I, I can't think of too many others off the top of my head, but there would be some I'm not remembering yeah. that probably come in and give that that pace in there. I, I think you've been harsh on Terry Hill. I, I think he's probably a slow defender, but I thought, like, he's he was fast for his size. He looked strong and fast. I thought, he was, a, there. I thought um, he was very good. Yeah. But I just yeah, sort of I, yeah, in a Joey Lay Lua fast. He's not fast, but he's so powerful and strong that it's sort of it's fast enough given the, the bulk that he's moving with. He's a, he was a weapon. He could move with his size. Um, the rest of them, I, I agree with you on pretty pretty. Yeah, I think that's fair on the others. Yeah, it just it was just something noticeable, and it struck me as odd with a team picked by by Phil Gould that he would not have uh, any real lightning pace out there. I mean, you can only pick what you've got, I guess, but. Um, yeah, it just struck me as strange. I, you always like big players. Yeah, you, I guess. Later, yeah. they were they were faster. You had Gazniers and you always picked Gaznier and Cooper. Uh, Cooper was a favourite where some other guys might have got in under other coaches. And you had Matt King. It, he did like big big backs. Whether he thought the the size in the centres was the way to go on that theory, uh, you know, maybe that's what he was looking at. He did yeah. like that a lot. He always talked about yeah. big outside backs. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. I want to kind of spend a bit of time on this last 10 minutes of the game because even with 10 minutes mm. to go, you still think New South Wales are going to win. Well, they should have if you look at the well, last 10 minutes. And then you look, they, they go, they, st- they look like they're losing their heads a little bit for a mm. minute. Um, I, and they turn the ball over on their own line and Queensland have a kick at goal to go 4-0, which Bartram misses. But it's caught in the end goal by Greg Florimo, only about a yard behind the line. And we talk a bit about effort and this kind of thing. Gary Larson and Mark Home, the kick is from 20, 25 metres out over on the right. As soon as Greg, Greg Florimo catches it, Gary Larson, uh, Mark Home is there to bury him and Larson comes in over the top and they force him in goal. Um, but Queensland straight away turn it over. And then New South Wales pretty much have the run of the game. They have two or three really good chances to win. Um, particularly... Um, there's one piece of play where Sedaris, and I know you mentioned Sedaris did look good and he had some sharp moments oh, in the yeah, game. He did. He looked really but, good, yeah. But he also, he had a bit of the, like he, he was a little bit headless and he really, like he kind of, he had a bit of the Robbie Farris about him in that he would really back his call on things. Kick happy, kick happy sort of stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, no, this is on, I'll put it. And there's a moment there with about five to go uh, where New South Wales are really rolling for. There's a lovely inside ball from Matthew Johns to, to the Chief. And then mm. Sedaris gets it at first receiver, has got mm. a f- 50 on one overlap and sticks it on the boot and it goes touching goal. Even then yeah. you think they're going to score, you know? 
yeah, they should all these numbers, yeah. you know. It's um, it's so funny actually because what happened was on that play is that you know Matty John just as you said he threw it inside of the chief who rampaged through this half gap and it's one of those really quick play the ball get up and go overlap yeah. on the blind and in that team you had on the field at the same time you had Joey Fitler and Matt Johns and somehow the person who ends up at first was Jim Sedaris on the blind is Jim Sedaris with the with the line there and he he did have a very good game at dummy half I thought he was very good but um that wasn't you know, he wasn't a thinking, he was a runner, a strong runner and a passer. And he's yeah. the one that gets the ball on the blind at first receiver with this overlap. And you had almost arguably too many playmakers on the field and none of them ended up on the, on it's the funny, side isn't it? to, to make like, the play. It's a really, as a Newcastle supporter, I'm watching Andrew Johns in this game. It's quite unrecognisable because when they're in the 20, he doesn't get the ball that often. He, no, he, he has to share, yeah. He, he yeah. shared because this is Brad Fitler's team, not his. Yeah. This is 1995, yeah. Yeah, and so he's getting the ball. He, You don't see him running to the line and trying to put people through gaps. You don't really see him running close to the line. Like it, mm. 10 years later, when you talk about that, that 2005 game, he's getting it almost every ruck when they're in the 20 and, or, and directing the team around, and it's his team. But in this game, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really have a look like setting up a try. No, no. He, he, there's a couple of things to that. Firstly, he was a very different player when he was younger to what we look at when he was later. He was a, he was a um, long passer and a runner. Yeah. He used to get the ball and he used to run. And he used to get the ball early, see stuff and fizz 30 metre part. It's sort of the, what you think of as Ricky Stewart doing. Ricky Stewart pioneered that. And Joey used to have that Ricky Stewart long ball that he used to zip out to his backs. And his other move was to run the ball. And we saw that. He made a lot of half breaks in the last 20 and looked Especially very dangerous. From the, from the middle of the park. Yep. He made a couple of blinders from the middle, from sort of his own half and halfway and yep. that kind of thing. He was dummying and going. If you look yeah. at his 90s highlights, there'll be a lot more of that than there is of the stuff that we thought of him as doing late on with the passing for tries. And the, that and that look, halfbacks develop over time. And I mean, the ideal thing would be to be young and robust like that and have that experience that you, you yeah. end up with. Fitler's the same. If you look at how much Fitler ran as a lock and the run and stepping, he became in the... I'm not going to do much. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting. And then bang, nail the key moment. Whereas yeah. in that game, when he was a younger bloke, he had his hands on everything all the time. Yeah. And he was great both ways. He was great when he was young, but it was very different to his football at East when, you know, in the early 2000s, you'd get this game where he let his halfback run the game. He ran the game, ran the game. And then when it was time, you know, something needed to happen. Bang, there's bang. the step or bang, there's the foot, the pass or, or the kick. He was the key moment guy um, as his body got a bit older. But I'll tell you one thing about Joey. Uh, if we're going to have a podcast, I'm going to indulge on talking about Andrew Johns when I get the opportunity. <laughs> of course. Um, what doesn't show in that game is he ended up playing game two, but it got heavily speculated. They all assumed he'd be dropped and the rumour went round he was gone and they all said, Joey's got to go. I just said that does surprise me because I thought for yeah. a debutant that a 20-year-old halfback, I thought it was fairly noticeable that he was pretty good because he made... He should have set up the Wishard try. Wishard botched that, not him. He shanked two kicks and the rest of them were phenomenal. He kept spiralling them from his own half and every one of them bounced. And yeah. he made a lot of half breaks. I thought for a halfback, if you had that game now, you'd be thinking, geez, this kid's got something about him. I'm not saying he looked like an immortal, just that he, he looked pretty good. Matty well, Johns, I could understand. Yeah. yeah he did get Making yeah. the comparison, that's why I mentioned the comparison to, yeah. to being, you know, when, when you think yeah. at what time in his career it was, it's, it's not that far from Jared Mullen or Mitchell Pearce getting picked or even Nathan Cleary. And no. like a year after they have a big debut year yeah. and then for whatever reason, there's no halfbacks and they get thrown in. Yeah. He, yeah. he did a hell of a lot more. He showed things in that game 
that those other that, that, that other guys who've been thrown in in that kind of situation they, they didn't show anywhere near that. You know, the, the no, breaks, no. the yeah. Um, you have to judge people on, on the timing. Like Cooper Cronk, you expected to come into State of Origin and do what he did and be quite clever because he was at the top of his football. He had to wait for Darren yeah. Lockyer to retire. And he came in when he was in the middle of his career at his peak winning grand finals. And he was a finished product, if you like. Like he was as good as he was going to get. He stayed good for a long time, but he was yeah. on top of his football. When you're a 20-year-old, whether it's Joey or, or Pierce or anyone else, so you don't, can't really watch that game and then start saying that's who they are as a player or that's how we're going to judge them. You do have to give them that time and um, look at the, the finished product, I think for sure. And I was surprised uh, Matthew, I could understand. I didn't think Matthew was terrible, but with Brad Fittler and Joey there, I just didn't think Matthew got any much. Yeah. It wasn't, he didn't fire any shots. Well, it was fairly noticeable that Gus took him off with 20 minutes to go um, and brought Florida and then brought him on, back on and then brought him yeah. back on late on. Yeah. That now, was weird. It was weird yeah. that now there are two moments really in the last 10 minutes, that Queensland show why they, somehow managed to win the game. The first is the one I mentioned yeah. where Florimo's grounded in goal off a, off a missed penalty. The second is with oh, two minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, New South Wales charging at them now. They get a scrum in the middle of the park because Queensland have turned it over. I say about them doing things wrong. This was one of them. That was after the... So Sadaris kicks it into touching goal and you think, oh, well, that's yeah. a let off Queensland. will be fine here. Two sets, two plays later, they turn it over. And the New South Wales are coming for them. Big spread, Andrew Johns, Matthew Johns. Inevitably, Paul McGregor gets the ball. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of jinks back inside rather than... Slowly. Mm-hmm. Very slowly and kind of cumbersomely mm-hmm. towards about six on rushing defenders. He's got a couple of men to his right who he doesn't use. Finally, when he's going towards the touchline, he kind of throws it out the back. It's fallen on. It ends up with a Wishart who's standing up like a, like standing up like a statue and he gets pushed into touch. When he gets pushed into touch, there were four players in the tackle. Yeah. And they all got that Ben Iken, Billy Moore, Mark Hone, Wayne Bartram. None of them would be considered elite players at any stage in their career. But they're all they all get there, they march him into touch and they get the ball back and then and um and, and it's a mark of what kind of team they were. Yep. Absolutely. That um obviously so through my teenage years was I basically the New South Wales won in 05 when I was in year 10 and we didn't win again for 10 years. And yeah. that last 10 minutes just had every feel. I knew the result and I still sort of thought I was wrong. This had every feel of those great Queensland sides like New South Wales were going to do that thing where you go, shit, they're just going to get away with it. I just thought we were yeah. going to get away with it. It was, you know, every year you'd watch and you'd get to a game and you go, we'd be up and we'd battle all game and then Queensland would pull it out of their ass every yeah. day. Like Thurston or Lockyer or someone would go bang and they'd get us at the end and everyone would go, oh, that's the Queensland spirit. And we'd go, oh, that's rubbish. They, they just got lucky and they'd do it again every year. And watching this, even though I know, I just thought, no, nah, they're going to score. They they're going to go over. And the whole momentum was with it. The crowd was rising with it. The commentators were going with it. We were like, yep, it's going to be one of those things. It has to be. At the end, because you can't. Yeah. Because all yep. of those players, all of those players... Yep against all yep. of those players, couldn't get held to nil. It just can't happen. They have to score and, a try. Yeah, and both on paper and in the context of how it was going, the momentum yeah. was with them, the crowd was up, the, the commentators were going with it. Everything I know about watching football said they were going to sneak away late, win it, celebrate, and everyone was going to go, that was great by Queensland, and then they'd win the Series 3-0. Like New yeah. South Wales scored, they win 3-0. And it just had that feel about it. And it's funny because we all, a lot of New South Wales, me included, sort of get a bit shitty with Queenslanders banging on about this spirit and, and what they've got. But 
that was the New South Wales moment to do it and they just didn't. And Queensland have got a long history of doing it. (laughs) In that reverse situation, how many times have New South Wales won the first 75 minutes and had them pull it out of their backsides, you know, near the end, uh, I know the coin one's famous. The big one for me was Tony Carroll did it one year yeah. when he was playing for New Zealand. That's right. um, at the same time, pulled it out and they won had a Origin. Scrum. And no, it was 98. They had a scrum on their yeah. own 20. Kevin Wilders booted it downfield and they, they scored mm. two plays later. Yeah, yeah, and, and that yeah. just used to happen all the time. And, and this was one of those moments where watching it, I just thought, yeah, here, here it goes. This is New South Wales. Fittler's going to step through three and plant yeah. it or something is just going to happen. And you're going to go, gee, they were lucky, but oh, that's what happens. That's the class and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I don't think Queensland, I, I don't think they would have stopped trying, but I don't know if they would have won a game if they didn't win that one because they no. put all that effort in to not get away with it would have been so much. And, and they deserve so much credit because I don't, I'm prepared to say New South Wales didn't throw it. No, no, they didn't. I think they just, a lot of guys just, played well. Yeah, yeah, they just they just didn't uh, you know, score. You know, no, I, I, th- I, yeah, that's that's it. I, I think the front rowers, I, I give. I think Spud was fantastic. I thought Chief was pretty good. I thought Joey was pretty good. I thought Freddie was good. So I'm going through players. They're in important positions. Yeah. And I thought Sedaris was good. I'm not, I just don't think they threw it. I think Queensland beat them fair and square by yeah. just playing above their weight to a very large degree, and they deserve a lot of credit for that it, it's a fantastic result and, and yeah. like i said uh, you know i would have hated it if it happened when i was you know a bit older and, and really passionate about it. as a blues fan i'd be devastated <laughs> but looking back at I mean, historically i said that the tigers should be given 89 because of what canberra did in the 90s if yeah. i looked at this historically they deserve this this shouldn't change they just that, that's such a good result for football to have yeah. these battling you, blokes beat that it's, team yeah it's, it's why you it's why you like the game you know this kind of yeah. thing yeah um I talking about people who were good. Thinking about a man of the match, I thought you you mentioned that uh, there weren't really any standout players for Queensland. I would just mention, and I know Gary Larson is tossed up a lot in the commentary. He'd made thirty six tackles by the sixty fifth minute. Um, it's a workhorse, unbelievable. Yeah, it's a workhorse. But I also just want to mention Robbie O'Davis. And I know I don't mean to yeah. you know indulge in flagrant Newcastle Knights bias. But no, let's had, do that. But geez, yeah. he had a game. Yes, he did. Doesn't um, he look good? He really did. Oh yeah, he's one oh, of the he only was, ones. Yeah, he, he's one of the only ones in that team. When you, you go through the one, the seventeen, hmm. he's one of the only ones who would have been, who at some time in his career was considered a genuine elite player. You know, and yeah, yeah. probably would have been in the Queensland side in his own right. You know, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he was he, he was a, he was a, a very very good footballer. Yeah, he. Um, probably got robbed of a few games just because Lockyer just developed at the wrong time for him. He, yeah. You know, there's always good players. You go through history a few years earlier, he had Mullins, a few years later, he would have had Minicello and, and all the rest of it. But how good he actually was at his peak football and he played his football with the Johns brothers. So he was always going to get chances to show it and score yeah. a lot of tries. Dynamic um, player. Just dynamic yeah. runner with the ball, fast, yeah. good feet, bit of yeah. like strength into the tackle. Yeah, tremendous. Yeah, he was. I think Lockie, you know, he probably record deserves a sneaky couple of more games, you know, maybe three or four more at fullback for New South, for Queensland and Australia. But, you know, what do you do? Darren Lockyer was, I think they both played in 98 and yeah. Robbio started for Australia. Lockyer was on the bench. Robbio got hurt and Lockyer had a complete stinker. But yeah, that's right. He, he came on and fell yeah, over. He, and the, and he was terrible. Had, yeah. Yeah. And by the time they picked another team, he'd done enough to get in over Robbio yeah. and, and, and it, the rest is history because he, so, he was so good. And that's the difference between like Robbio Davis, who was one of the best fullbacks of the time, 
and Darren Lockyer, who was one of the best fullbacks of 20 years, you know, or, you know, yeah. that's, or one of the best one fullbacks of the best ever. players in any era, yeah. Yeah. Being one of the best players like in, that's, in multiple positions, yeah. Sometimes you just have bad luck, you know, and yeah. <laughs> someone, you're very good, but someone else is very, very good at the same time. It's the, the, the Stuart McGill problem. Um, I'll give you one more name for Queensland. I, I, he is underrated by history so much. I, I looked at a poll the other day and they did best wingers of the last... Oh, yeah. In, in area, and they tossed up El Masri and, and Sailor and stuff, yeah. which is fine. They're good players. But seriously, Matt Singh yep. is so underrated as a footballer. He, you ask anyone who knows much about the game, they'll tell you how good he is. But they still, even the people who know, and I, I'm guilty of it. I picked a team recently. And I didn't put him in my top five wingers. And then I saw this and I thought, what am I doing? I was angry at myself. He was so good. And he was so damn good. He was such a good footballer. He used to save tries. He'd score tries. He backed up. Oh, I just loved him. And he has no right to because he's a tiny little bloke. Oh, he was and, a wonderful player. Just, uh, oh, and he was yeah. still, the thing, about Matt Singh is that he was still good playing for the Cowboys in the mid to like 10 years after this. I think he as debuted. Good. Not just I think, still Yeah, yeah. As like, good. Yeah. I think he debuted in about 1991 maybe for Penrith. Something like that. Early and, 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by 10 years hence, he's just as good as this, if not better, playing on the wing yeah. for the Cows. But by this stage in the headgear. Um, Can I ask yeah. a question about the headgear? Yes. Um, did he wear the, did they have him and Ty Williams playing at the same time in headgear? I think they did, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. Because, would that be the last all headgear wing combination? That <laughs> I guess I I'm trying to think of another one. I jeez. Mm. Um if you anyone listening uh who who wants to field that question, if anyone can name, get onto the rugby league cemetery on Facebook. Uh we'll post the link to this this pod uh, in a few hours when we'll, uh, look, chuck a comment up. If you can think of another double headgear wing combo i would love to hear it because i'm thinking and if head- you confirm they both did it you need yeah. to confirm that i just can't remember when matt Singh did and didn't wear headgear because he wore he it head gear, yeah. and he rotated it and i'd want to check that but i you know i, I just think that's an important question again if you want to talk uh, brock lecture money <laughs> i think that's right um yeah and that and that i want to have one more i, I want to have one more snipe at paul mcgregor if you don't mind if you'll indulge me <clears throat> Glad you've done it because I thought no, I was going to be called. No, no, yeah. I, I, I was really blowing up watching the game. I was like, what are you doing? Like, a, the last mm. seconds, right? So, 20 seconds to go. New South Wales get a scrum on halfway. Last chance, mm. last play of the game. They all spread out to the left for mm. a big sweeping attack. Oh, yeah, Andrew, yeah. Andrew Johns feeds the scrum, gives it to Matthew Johns. Everybody can see what he's trying to do. He f- feeds it to Paul McGregor and then wraps around. He's got three more players out to his left. He wants to spread the ball and have a crack at them from halfway. What does Paul McGregor do, Gaz? Takes a Like a one-out hit-up by himself in the middle of the field, props off his foot, goes infield, and takes a flat hit-up with five seconds on the clock down 2-0 on the halfway line and a wrapping around overlap. It's, yeah. I mean, anyone who's ever played football, you know what you do with five seconds left? You headlessly and madly zing it to one yeah. side. And when it fails, you zing it to the other side. And then someone puts a dumb kick in. That's what you yes. do. That's how the game is played. Everybody knows the, game the game was designed to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's just, I mean, you know, like it doesn't cost them the game, obviously. Cause it's no. But what, like, why what are you, what are you doing? doing? What are you doing, Paul? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I did. This, this, let me tell you something. Uh, this game f- fills in a lot of gaps about Paul McGregor's subsequent coaching style because if he thinks that's what you've got to do with 10 seconds mm. to go, that, that goes a long way to explaining how the Dragons have managed mm. to make the finals twice in seven years. Um, mm. I, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I, I won't say any yeah, more about that. Fair. 
Yeah. No, wasn't it good I to see Gary Larson? Well. Um, wasn't it good to see Gary Larson uh, put a couple of kicks in, particularly the one where he got very soon? Yeah. yeah, he put two kicks in. One of them was okay. Uh, the other one went over the red line. Um, <laughs> do you, and the it Jack White line, you That's mean, right. Yeah. And it was just after they had started saying what a good game. They were really whipping Gary Larson. And then the ball, someone jumps out from dummy half. I think it was Robbie O. Gets it at dummy half, gets kind of collared and just flings it to Gary Larson, who Robert Rolf style decides, oh, well, I'll have to kick it. And I reckon it goes 25 metres on the full sideways and about three metres forward. Yeah, I think that's right. But I just want to make the comment. It's just this is typical negative Nelly stuff from you because yeah. you always want to talk about the downsides of the game. Let's talk about his first kick with the foresight of this where he gets it at dummy half, looks infield to his setup, dummy's blight, goes to blindside <laughs> himself and kicks. And it, it, it's not a bad kick, but nothing happens from it. He just kicks yeah. it in the space. And I just think that we should. there's not enough back rowers these days, particularly if like, I, I really liked him. He's such a workhorse. That were like fairly unskilled sort of like, in terms of class players that, that look infield, go blind and kick to nobody. I think it's just, that, that's the sort of vision you want to be seeing from your, uh, your workhorse forward. You want to see more sort of tackle robotic tackle yeah. forwards going blind and kicking for nobody back in their ability. And you, you made the point during the 89 grand final uh, episode that who broke the accord, you know, that players used to mm. just do stuff. They'd just see something yeah. on any time of the game. Mm. Like, oh, we'll have a crack at that. I think this is still, I think the accord is still in, kind of still in place at this point in 1995. Yeah. The, the, it's fraying. It's fraying, but it's... There. Yeah, but it's still... There's a moment... Mm. The one you talked about with Matt Singh passing sort of over his head to Robbie O. The thing about that is that there's about 20 minutes to go and they're 2-0 in front, just desperately hanging on. In their own on, 20. And they're on yeah. their own 20 and he just whooshed yep. over the... But have that. Why? Mm. Yep. You know? There's, a, there's still yes. a little bit of that madness. Yeah, there's a suggestion Robbie O maybe shouldn't have been backing up as much as I praised him just because it might have encouraged no one to pass it. But maybe he would have yeah. thrown it anyway, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it, yeah, I think that's all pretty fair. The Larson stuff was um, quite enjoyable. I, I, I was really impressed with him. I, I want to make one more Larson comment. I was disappointed. I wanted them to interview him at full time because as the original Darren Lockyer, like of No Voice, yeah, I very much miss hearing him talk. He... I've always got to see Darren Lockyer stole his voice at some stage in time. And I hate how people impersonate that voice now and call it a Darren Lockyer. Because when I was a kid, I used to do it a lot as Gary Larson. And I think that should be recognised. I think there would have been a lot of kids, that, you know, I think there would have been a lot of kids doing the same around the, around the playgrounds of Australia saying, look at me, I'm Gary Larson. Yeah. But you say he's um, the most famous Larson? Like, is he more famous than Steve Larson, for example? Steve Larson, geez. I think yeah. he's certainly, um, certainly better in the wrestle. Than Steve. What would you rather do? Write to make thirty six tackles in an Origin game, or write the girl with the dragon tattoo? What do you think is a greater achievement? Yeah, well, you've also got, <laughs> you've also got the Gary Larson who did the Far Side cartoons, so he's not even the most famous <laughs> Gary Larson. You see, well, the one that does the cartoons isn't. Yeah, yeah well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that'd no thirty six tackles that, in an Origin. That'd be a good. Um, that'd be a good Fox Sports website mm. article. Um, mm. Larson power rankings. One, yeah. one, Gary, two, maybe Stig, three, Gary. Yeah. At home with the Larsons, maybe. <laughs> Jeez, wouldn't that right? <laughs> yeah. About, about as well as this. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's probably right. Anything more you want to add on this, this spectacular instalment of Origin History? 
Uh, no, look, I think we've covered it all pretty well. I, I, I just really enjoyed enjoyed the game. Um, I don't know. I, I really, I, I'm not. Yes. I'm a known blood spitting Origin skeptic now. Like I, mm. I've got to that point where I'm like, that no, Origin's like it's waste of time. It buggers mm. up the competition. There's too much whip around it. All the, play, the players get injured. It buggers up their club sides. All this kind of stuff. Mm. But this had a real sense of occasion about it, and a real it was it was a very entertaining game in a funny kind of way, given that there weren't any tries. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I got I got quite a kick out of watching it. I've watched much more boring games that finished like sixteen ten with like you know the current Bulldogs playing the Titans or but something some like that. Those. Some of those games. This was not boring. It wasn't boring. No, there was a lot of good attack. There was a lot of exciting moments. Yeah. Even some of the modern origins with that good Queensland side, they weren't. They never razzle dazzled their way. You know, like it's not as if the subsequent mm. the eight in a row Queensland team or seven in a row, whatever it was. It's not as if they were... A lot of the time, they were winning 6-4, 12-10, you know, but it wasn't as exciting yeah. as this. Like, this was... There were yep. moments in the game, the ball fizzed around it. Yeah. I I, uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've, um, if we can close... Look, I do have one thing I forgot that I think is very important. Yes. Um, Mark Carroll's play the balls. I'm sorry yes. to bring it up really late, but if we can finish on that. If anyone hasn't watched it, can you just go and watch how bad Mark Carroll's play the balls are? He, he has played it forward twice and got away with it, dropped it another five times, and the standard of play the balls from everyone is a disgrace. Yes. And no wonder they had to clean this up. I don't know which crackdown cleaned it up. <laughs> yearly comp- I'm glad that the eventual yearly crackdown cleaned this up because it was terrible, and yes. they just every play the ball was a knock-on in the whole game. <laughs> it was. Terrible. It was hope- and it's there incredible. are a few things like that. It's really yeah. messy. Like the whole things just are allowed to go that it would never be allowed now. And it doesn't make the game any worse. But it marks it's Carroll, arguably better, but it's just one of foul his, to look at. Yes. Mm. One of his first play the balls. And he does, I, you, I'm sure you would remember this. He does this exact mm. thing in the 1997 grand 97 final. 97 grand yeah, final. Where, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Quite. Where he gets up to play the ball, buggers it up, kind of kicks it forward a little bit. The ball is like bouncing quite out mm. of control and he then takes a pace forward and rakes it back with his foot now yeah. in 1997 it is it's, it's innovation in 97 in the grand final david manson who obviously obviously was much more of a stickler than any ward he pulls that up he says no no when, that, that's not allowed mm. in 1995 origin one eddie ward gives that the thumbs up all mm. clear play on and can i Does say he possibly think there were no markers well, the tap play on the too late. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you've brought that up because it was it. There's a lot of mm. there's a lot of mess, you know, in the whole. I had game. a lot of regret if we a didn't lot of finish like, by talking about those play the balls. So we just yeah, like, I would have too. A real yeah. sense of yeah. a real sense of what I'm describing as FOMO. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, guys, uh, thank you as always for your company. I I think uh, the next game I think we're planning to do is North Sydney versus Penrith, 1991. Is that right? Is yeah, it? I'm happy to do that. I think yeah. I think we want to do that definitely soon, and we want to do I think an early 2000s is due as well. If anyone does happen to listen, I'd love a suggestion for an early 2000s as well. I think yeah, good shout. Early and even mid 2000s is one we want to do soon, and I think yeah, that prelim sounds very good as well. Yeah, so uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, tune in next time. We're going to do North Sydney versus Penrith, the major semi final from 1991. A very dramatic game for a number of reasons. Uh, but a good bit of Bears history as well. And I think, you know, if there's one thing that a rugby league cemetery needs to have, it's plenty of North Sydney Bears. Oh, yeah. Out the Bears. Out the Bears. I got an Out the Bears the other day. I was wearing a uh, wearing the North Sydney jumper uh, on the Coogee to Bondi walk. 
and copped up the bears from a bloke coming the other way. I, the, 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 the spirit of the red and black Community. lives on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, this is Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off from the Rugby League Cemetery. One thing that New South Wales have been keen to do is to go to their back line. That's why we see quite a few hit-ups for the likes of McGregor and Hill and Wishart, etc. I think that they've got to establish something in the middle of the ruck and then try and attack on the fringe of the ruck through the likes of Menzies and Pippa. Billy Moore is obviously very, very pumped up. Gary Belcher, you've been to the Queensland dressing room.